look at Psalm 16 this morning. So if you have your phones, go ahead and pull up Psalm 16. Um, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is a psalm we need to get in our hearts. We need to have shape our lives. Are we ready? Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all of my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my portion and my cup. And you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let the Holy One see corruption verse 11 you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, this is our prayer to you. Father, our hearts are continually going after other things, and yet our joy is found in you. So, Father, we have people all over the place, but I do know this. Many of us are searching for joy and are not satisfied because we're running after anything and everything but you. And so I ask that you draw us to yourself. I pray that we see the glory of your Son. I pray that you fill us with joy. May our whole being rejoice. Please make our hearts glad in you. You are an awesome God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're doing a couple of things. We went over the Great Commission. If you guys remember, last week we ended with teaching to observe all that I command. Right? Now... Sometimes people think because we've got this list of rules, it's a whole lot of obedience and drudgery and task after task. But here's the thing. When we join God on mission, it doesn't rob us of our joy. It completes our joy. You find out that your heart always wanted God. And when you come to God, you get God. And it's in His presence that you will have the fullness of joy. So all of us are searching for ways that, to, that we can make our hearts glad. And the list goes on and on and on. But this psalm directs our hearts to God, and our hearts will be overflowing with joy. And so we're doing a couple of things over the next couple of weeks. Next week is Mother's Day. We're going to talk about biblical womanhood. What does a woman who loves Jesus, what does that lady look like today? Right? So for the, the guys in the room, do not be caught off guard. Next week is Mother's Day. Write something, get something, do something. All right? 
And then after that, we're going to be back in the book of Psalms. And we're going to cover multiple Psalms, and then we'll have Father's Day, and we'll look at what does it look like to be a man who follows Jesus? What does that guy look like? I think we need clarity on both of those. A lot of people are telling you what a man and what a woman should look like. Well, God created us. He gets to tell us, and it's clear. And so that's why we're doing that on Mother's Day and Father's Day. I think that's self-explanatory. Now, why did we choose Psalms to walk through? Well, we pray, and we ask God to show us what do we need, where in the Word do you want us to teach, where should we spend the next few Sundays, and Psalms is interesting, and I think there's three reasons. Number one, it shows us how to praise God in everything that life throws our way. And so, and I'll go over the different types of Psalms real quick, but I'm just looking in the room. We've had people that have suffered loss. We've had people that have joyous occasions. We have newly engaged people in the room. We have new parents in the room. We have old parents that are new parents in the room. We have people that are struggling with different surgeries, different life stages, different work opportunities and struggles. And Psalms directs our hearts to God, whether you're in the valley or you're on the mountaintop or we're somewhere in between. And so just check this out. In the book of, how many, do you guys know how many chapters Psalms is? Most chapters in the Bible for a book. Anybody want to take a guess? 150. 150 Psalms. Anybody know the longest Psalm in the Bible? 119. 119. If you wanted to start digging in, we're going to look at Psalm 119 in a couple of weeks. It is huge. Longest chapter in the Bible. Check out the different Psalms that we have. Songs of lament. Anybody know what a lament is? We don't use that word too often. Sorry it happened. Tragedy struck. Something bad happened. Any of you guys gone through something like that? I would say all of us in the room have. And you know what the psalmist does? He takes the tragedy and he goes to the God and he sees that God is a refuge for him. So you got psalms of lament, you got psalms of praise, thanking God for who he is and what he has done. You have songs of thanksgiving, giving thanks for everything God has done. Wisdom psalms, showing us how to live step by step. What does it look like to walk with God? There's a song about that. There's psalms of confidence. Songs of confidence, where you can stand with God. You know who he is. You know what he's done. It's these people that cannot be shaken. No matter what the world throws at them, these songs talk about how our confidence is in God and we won't be shaken. You have royal psalms pointing to the anointed one, speaking of Jesus, even though he hasn't shown up yet when the psalmist is writing. You have prophetic psalms showing people how to live, calling them back to God. Then you have historical psalms looking back at what God has done in the history of his people. This is one reason we're looking at psalms. Because we have so many people going through so many different things, and yet your heart can be glad in God. Secondly, we sing 
about what we care about. Whatever you care about most is what people are seeing. So, if you go through your phones and you look at your playlist, what do your artists care about most? Come on. Hey, listen. There's the awesome part. This is feedback time. What do your artists care about most with your songs? Money? So everybody's listening to songs about money? Positive things? Love? It's in there? Yeah, we're not asking for any specific lyrics. You guys, you, you guys know what our songs are about, right? Songs always reflect culture's values. This is what we deem important. You want to know what Psalms does? I mean, this is a book of songs that somebody wrote. It shows us what we should care about. It shows us what our hearts should be glad about. And then, finally, we pick this for the third reason. Psalms builds a fire in the bones for worship of God. So we just sang, right? And here's, here's the... Whenever we do something week in and week out, we began to take it for granted, right? So we just sang songs, but I wonder, were our hearts engaged with the lyrics? Were our hearts engaged with the lyrics? Right? Brian, what was evidence about that song? Is that true for us? Do you see evidence that God is with you and working and calling you to Himself? This is what I know. When it becomes personal, it becomes loud. And I feel like a lot of times, I read an article, and I'm not sure exactly how the wording goes, but it talks about we live in a day where there's an apathetic attitude towards God. Yeah, we'll go to church. We'll throw God a little bit of notice and regard. But where's the passion for God and the things of God? Do you see that fire? I go to, so I'm a sports guy. I love sports. And you can see passion for sports. You don't do basketball or football and you can throw in cheerleading you can throw in band you don't do that if you're not passionate about it because it requires stuff from you but when you watch the crowd do you guys notice as the game goes on if it's a close game how much louder the crowd gets it's a building right psalms is like a hype song for a sporting event Unless you're a Holmes baseball player. We went to a Holmes baseball game uh, this past week, and they have Taylor Swift for the, the walk-up music. I don't know if that motivated our batters because we didn't get too many hits. But a good hype-up song gets you ready to play a game, right? What you see with Psalms is the, the writer is writing, and he comes. You'll see it today. He comes and like, preserve my life. Preserve my life. There's a little desperation in his tone, and then by the end, He's talking about how his joy is overflowing. And somewhere in the middle, 
you see the fire building. And my prayer for us is as we walk through Psalms, the fire in your hearts for God grows and grows and grows and gets out of control. We need people who are sold out for Jesus. Don't be like the guys that go to the pool and stick a toe in. And like, ah, I don't know. Be the guy that gets on the diving board, yells cannonball and goes for it. We got to get after Jesus. And this is what Psalms does for us. Like it should fire us up. We want God. We want our hearts rejoicing. We want to be glad. We want to know what it is to have joy forever and ever and ever. Amen? Let's get to work. Number one, Psalm 16, I think is summarized this way. For those who hide in and hold on to God, God will lead them through life and into the fullness of joy in His presence forever and ever. I think that's the main idea of this psalm. If I'm taking these 11 verses and I'm squeezing it down into a statement, it's that statement. I know that's a little bit long. For those who hide in and hold on to God, God will lead them through life and into the fullness of joy in His presence forever and ever. All right, so, so let's do some work. Number one, hide in God. You see this in verse one. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, we don't find out what he's asking God to preserve him from until later on in verses 9 through 11. But I do know this. It's a very serious situation. And some of you right now are searching for a refuge, a place to hide. It might be a broken family, it might be broken relationships, it might be a broken job. You might be tired of wearing masks, you might be scared of COVID or whatever health disease is next. Or you might be the same as David in need of a refuge from what is coming. My prayer is that you find it in God. So number one, hide in God. You guys know the story of the three little pigs, right? What house do they go to first? Straw house. How's that go? Not good. Wolf comes, blows it down. Then what do they do? Six. How does that do? A little bit better. <laughs> That's a pretty good commentary. Hey, Mark ain't messing around with three little pigs, right? A little bit better. Still down. Hey, and, and this is my fear. And this is sometimes what I have to remind my heart of. My security, my refuge isn't in a job. If I lose my job working at homes, economy collapses, whatever, we lose our house, my truck breaks down, my refuge isn't in any of that stuff. But now here's my problem. Sometimes I have to remind myself because my heart goes after that. I feel a lot more secure when the paycheck hits the bank. And I got to watch it because it's a house of straw. It's a house of sticks. Where do the pigs finally get to? Through a brick house, right? And the wolf huffs and puffs and that thing doesn't move. You have to continually, like David does in this psalm, remind your heart that your hiding place, your refuge is in God and Him alone. Everything else crumbles. Your health crumbles. Your money that you make crumbles. The power that you think you have crumbles. God is eternal.
So hide in God. One of my least proud moments as a father was we're leading students, and whenever you're leading a student event, it's always a blast to have a dodgeball game. Somehow teams were divided up, and there were about 11 students on the other side, and I'm down to myself facing these 11. Dodgeballs are everywhere, and I'm thinking, this isn't good. This is not good. Thankfully, one of my three daughters at the time come running into the gym. I pick her up. She's about two. I hold her in front of me. <laughs> Those 11 students did not throw a dodgeball at me, and I'm just lighting them up. Now, looking back, I'm thinking, thank goodness we had students that cared. I think some of these guys may have taken a shot. <laughs> You're done, and so is your daughter. Secondly, now that I have four daughters, some of those girls were expendable. So coming in, <laughs> it helped. I picked the right one. I don't know if it was Balin or Cannon, but they were young. Number three, I am way too big to hide behind a child. Right? If they wanted to, I would have been lit up. The shield couldn't hide me. Where are you hiding behind today? Where are you finding refuge today? If it's not God, one day you're going to find out that that shield's too small. That refuge breaks down. So first and foremost, if your heart is not set on God as your hiding place, change it right now. Change it right now. Let God be your refuge. Number two, hold on to God. Number two, hold on to God. You see this in verse two. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. David treasures God in everything and over everything. He is holding on to God and can't hold on to other stuff the world is throwing his way. I, I love this because it's whatever you treasure will determine your path. You're, you're going to go after your treasure. And the awesome part is when you find it, your joy will overflow. This reminds me, this reminds me of Matthew 13. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Matthew 13, 44 and 46. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, covered it up, and in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You, you see how treasure clarifies direction in life? This guy found a field, found a treasure, Clarified his life. I'm selling everything I have. i got to get this field because my treasure's in the field. And it said in his joy he sold, went and bought this field. Right now, your hearts are holding on to someone or something. What is that? Don't, don't, don't tell me out loud. Just get that in your mind. If I don't have this, life's not worth living. That's a, that's a treasure question. If I only had more of this then my life would be good. That's a treasure question. And what happens is people will always align their lives around their treasure. Josh, how many times did you go to band practice this year? Why? Not in band. Donovan, how many practices of football did you go to? Why? All right. They don't go after things they don't treasure. Donovan 
hour after hour on the concrete, sometimes on the field, marching band, knocking things out. Josh, hour after hour, day after day, even on Sundays, basketball practice. You see how your treasure aligns your life? Now, here's the thing. If you don't treasure God, your life won't be aligned to him. And so you can look at your life and see what does it go after. Now, there's a way to play basketball and to play an instrument to the glory of God. But a person who is holding on to God looks radically different than a person who is holding on to, let's say, popularity or let's say power or let's say comfort. A person who's holding on to God looks radically different than someone holding on to something else. Their life is set on Jesus. Which leads us to the second or the third thing. Whoever you're holding on to will determine who you hang with. You see this in, in verse 3 and 4. David does not play around. He doesn't have time for half-hearted pursuits or distractions. What David treasures which is God, determines who he hangs out with, God's people. David also knows where running after so-called God leads. So you guys see that, right? In verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. I don't want to get to my deathbed. Let's say I make it. My goal is 88. I want to make the 88. I'm on my deathbed. I don't want to look back on my life and think, why did I waste so much time going after this, this, and this? When I get to my deathbed, if I get to my deathbed, I want to say, you know what? I spent my life to the glory of Jesus the best I could. Did I fail? Yes. Did God forgive me? Yes. But I was consumed with the glory of God. That's how I want to live my life. And now here's the cool part. I want to run with people who are making that commitment. I want to run with those who are sold out for Jesus. They don't care what other people think about them. They're pursuing Jesus. And I think when, when I see this, I think there's, there's two reactions. Number one, Ben, I don't hang out with people like that. My question is, do you know people who are sold out for Jesus? And I'm not talking about church people. I know a lot of church people that can show up to a service and have no regard for Jesus Monday through Saturday. For me, those are the people he's describing going after another God. Church is not something where you punch a ticket so God accepts you. Church is a place where we get to worship the God we're going after. Do you know people who are sold out after Jesus? And this is what they'll look like. They'll be the ones serving. They'll be the ones looking out for the poor and the outcast. They'll be the one who are who's standing up for the things that are right according to God's word. They'll be walking with Jesus and it'll look different. If God calls them somewhere, they're going. If God tells them to do something, they're doing it. And so I wonder if we know any people like that. And then secondly, if we don't like hanging out with people like that, it might be because your treasure doesn't match what they treasure. If you've ever gone out on a date with somebody, I'm trying to think. I didn't go on too many dates because I was dating Julianne in high school. But I'm thinking if somebody goes out on a date, Jason, I'll use you. All right? Jason's going out on a date. 
And this girl is talking all about, Jason, what's something that you can't stand? Jason's open. Ladies, if you have if you have a pulse, Jason's interested. Gotcha. All right. So so Jason goes out on this date and this poor girl doesn't say a word. Right? Jason's life is headed a different direction than this poor girl who doesn't talk. Right? you got to match up interests. How much more when it comes to what we treasure? You don't go to band practice because you're not interested in band. You don't go to football because you're not interested on the football team. You're doing something different because of your treasure. Now, here's the cool part. What would bring you two together is if you treasured Jesus over sports, over band, over work, over some person in your life. When you hold Jesus up high, you see how it brings people together. That's who I want to hang with. So check out who you're running with because either you will lead them to your treasure or they will lead you to their treasure. And if it's not God, it will multiply your sorrow. Your regret will increase. That's what Psalm 16, 3 and 4 says. All right, next, and we're going to pick up the pace. Number four, choose God. Choose God. This is a decision you have to make. And David, right here, just starts landing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. Verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Contentment with what God has for us. Think about what God has given us. His son paid for our sin. Our sins are covered. We get to pursue Jesus. And because God has forgiven us, we're able to forgive others when they wrong us. Because we know the love of God, we're able to love others. Because Jesus defeated the grave, we will one day defeat the grave. Do you see how our inheritance... Man, this is a good spot. So when you talk about lines, it's talking about land. And this is what God has given you. You guys remember the treasure principle, the field? God has given us the field with the treasure in the middle. And we can leave everything else behind and enjoy, go and enjoy what God has for us. God has given, what's the treasure? God has given us himself. It doesn't get any better than that. Monopoly, what's the, what's the most valuable property? Boardwalk and Park Place, right? That's what God's given us. And it's expensive It's great property because God's there. And that's what we get to enjoy. And so here's my question. Is God your portion? Throw that picture up of the buffet. I don't know if too many people know what a buffet is anymore. Going across, closed down. But back in the day, you used to show up and get whatever you want, right? So this is a picture of Golden Corral. They have 150 items. I did not know that. Trivia question. Jeopardy. Over 150 items at your buffet. I want us to be like my niece, McKenna. Mom would have a spread for whatever holiday or event we get together. I mean, you've got chicken fingers and cheeseburgers, and Dad would do breakfast for You can pick anything you want. It's a nice buffet. It's not a 150-item buffet. It's a nice buffet. Guess what McKenna fills her plate with? Yes. 
I, I turn the corner and McKenna has a plateful of mac and cheese. I'm like, oh, McKenna, Andrew made that. I don't know. You're, you're taking a risk here, right? This isn't mama's mac and cheese. This is, whoa. She chose one thing, and that was her portion. That's all she wanted. In the same way, in the same way, that's what I want. My portion is God. And, man, and this is what I found out. When I hold on to God, when I choose God, man, that's all I need. That's all I need. In high school, I told you I was dating Julianne in high school. Uh, before I met her, I, told, I, I, was, I was praying to God because I was getting a little bit older. And I know that, that when you date, as you get older, it gets pretty serious. And for my senior year, I was like, God, whatever you have for me, I want to follow you. And that's exactly when God led me to Julianne. But I learned something there. I think that if my relationship with God wasn't right, I would have put a lot of pressure on Julianne to be what only God could be for me. I was content at that time being single. I was content in that time not having children because I had God. And I know that's an easy thing for me to say now. But this is the reputation of the saints. If you have God, your joy will be full because you have God. Choose Him. Be content. Number two, counsel. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in a pleasant place. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And the night also my heart instructs me. There is no better place to run for direction than God. I, I look at what God has done. Look at what He's created. The ocean, He sends waves this far and no further. The complexity of your eye is unreal. Your eyeballs, God puts there. Create so that they function, so that they work. And now here's the crazy part. God knows the number of hair on your head. This is, yes, for some people, Tracy, it's less than others, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, Brown, that's not impressive. I could count your hair, right? Oh, whatever. The point of the text is God knows you better than you know yourself. And the awesome part about those who choose God, that run after God, watch what happens when they are instructed by God. When God is your counselor, you're more wise than anybody on the planet because you're following a God who has all wisdom. And so be very careful when you ask for opinions from people because they'll give it. Make sure you run to God. Know what He has to say on how you should live and what you should pursue on how you should order your life. Let God be your counselor. And, and then finally in this, in choosing God, let God be your confidence. Let God be your confidence. I love, all right, so, so you feel it. It's getting a little bit warmer in here, right? David's starting to warm up and he gets to here. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Nothing the world throws at David is going to move him. Man, I love that. I love that. H have you set the Lord before you? What does that look like? What does that look like for us? How have you guys set the Lord before you? Give me some feedback. 
How have you set the Lord before you? I'll give you a hint. Everybody in the room has made it a priority to get here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, morning. Right? That's one way you set the Lord before you. Make it a priority to get here, gather with God's people. What, what's another way? How else have you set the Lord before you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Starting the day with uh, the scriptures. Boom. You got to dig into the word. Fasting is a way to set God before you. Serving. How else have you guys set the Lord before? I, I'm just looking for concrete, very easy. Um, Examples. Julianne used the word of the day, right? It starts out with a verse of the day. What I'm trying to do and what I'm struggling with, I want to start the day in the word, but then, and this is where I've gotten lazy, I don't finish the day with the word. And I would love for my day to start and end with God, right? And then I've, I've found times throughout the day to, to be in the word and pray. And then ultimately, your, your journey starts if you want to set the Lord before you, it starts with giving your life to Christ. If you want God, the only way you get God is through Christ, who died on a cross to pay for our sin. So our sin is gone before God because of what Jesus has done. And now there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. So that's one way to set the Lord before you. And so there's so many ways. Here's my question. What are you setting before yourself? Like when you woke up this morning, what was set before you? Right? For, for us, it's a, a baby bottle. For Julianne, it's, it's feeding and changing a diaper. For some of you, it's going to be school. For some of you, it's going to be work. What are you setting before you? This is the decision. Because when you set God before you, guess what happens? You're not going to be shaken. Now, there was a bully when we went to Defy. Right? There was a bully. We go to Defy. It's a little trampoline park, and they have this jousting thing. And obviously, if you get knocked off, you just land on foam. It's not a big deal. Mike saw the bully. Right? There's this little kid. What grade do you think he's in, Mike? Probably fourth grade. <laughs> he might have been. A, he might have been a middle school bully. He's over there just drilling kids. Bam! Knocking them off. Knocking them off. Knocking them off. Well, there's a little kid running around and. He sees Mike. Mike starts to go up with his jowls thing. I'm like, oh, please don't kill the kid, right? But the real little kid couldn't do anything with the middle schooler. But he hid behind Mike. And, and man, he got a little swagger walking behind Mike, right? He's like, yeah, what's up now, right? That's what happens when you set God before you. You get a little swagger. You can't be moved. You can't be shaken, Right? The worst thing that can happen is you die. Right? Well, then that's pretty bad. But death doesn't even touch us. It couldn't hold our Savior. And if we're in Christ, it can't hold us. You, you see how unshakable the people of God are? And, and then finally, and this is, this is the end of the, the chapter, look at the joy that flows from Jesus. Jesus is our joy forever. And ever. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Does that describe you this morning? Because there's a lot of things that will take you joy. Let David be a reminder. Set your heart to God. 
hide in God, hold on to God. When you do that, your heart will be full of joy. Then we see what David was asking to preserve him from. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. David was a bad dude. And what I mean is, my man could fight. My man could play an instrument. My man was a king, a shepherd. He's an interesting guy. We're going to hear more about him in the next couple of months. But David couldn't escape the grave. And he knew he was about to die. And his plea to God was to preserve him. And you want to know what David went to? Went to a prophet, heard from a prophet. Check out what a prophet told David. His name was Nathan. Nathan comes to David and says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, lie down when you're buried with the people that have died before you, I will raise up your offspring after you, and you shall come, it shall, he shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever and ever. And then we see Peter in the New Testament when he's preaching. He says, being therefore a prophet, David, knowing that God has sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades and did not see corruption. You see, somehow David knew that the answer for the grave was the one that was coming, whose reign was going to be forever. And now Peter and Paul, looking back, says, yeah, Jesus, Mark, I love your translation from, from Psalm 1610, says that he won't rot in the grave. Jesus doesn't rot in the grave. Death tried to hold him, but the grave couldn't keep him down. And three days later, Jesus is out of the grave, walking around, talking to his boys and crowds, eating breakfast and telling people that, hey, this is how things work now. Death doesn't have the final say. And you can have life. Forever. And the invitation is that you can have God because of what Jesus has done for you. When you see verse 11, look at how Jesus fulfills this. You make known to me the path of the life. Jesus says in Psalm 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know Jesus, you know the path of life. And then we see, in your presence is the fullness of joy. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, hey, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And when you go after other gods, when you hold on to things that are not God, you're multiplying your sorrows. You're going to see it will end with stolen, depressed, and death. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the what? To the fullest. And then we see in your presence are pleasures forevermore. And that's John 15, 11. Jesus says these things, talking about how we're connected to the vine, which is Christ. We're walking with Him. We're connected to Jesus. These things I have said so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So when you look at Psalm 16, there's a couple of things that we have to get right. Number one, have you given your life to Christ? The reason why you might not be experiencing this joy is because you don't know Jesus. But you can today. 
Jesus offers the invitation. Whoever calls on him will be saved. Your sin can be forgiven. You will be given a new heart, a heart that is alive to God, a heart that will help you hide in God, hold on to God, choose God, let him be your portion. That's what happens when you give your life to Christ. He changes your affections, and then the desires of your heart will be met because the thing you desired, the person you desire is God. And when you get God, you will have joy forever and ever. Are you holding on to God today? Are you hiding in Him right now? If not, you need to pray and do business with the Lord right now. So as I pray, I want you to be praying. However the Spirit is moving, do what God is leading you to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for gathering us here together. Father, there's a lot of hurting hearts in the room. And so, Lord, I pray that just like David, may we come to you. May you revive our hearts, renew our hearts, and give us joy. Help us find our joy in Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.